Hello and welcome to Great Things with Great Tech, episode 10. My name is Anthony Spiteri and this podcast is all about highlighting companies doing great things with great tech. And this episode, we're talking to Brad Jervis, Senior Cloud Architect at Offsite Datasync. How are you going, Brad? Doing well, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Excellent. No worries. So just before we get into ODS and everything uh, with Brad, if you love great things with great tech and would like to feature on future episodes, you can click the link in the show notes or go to launch.gtwgt.com and register your interest. And just another reminder, as always, Great Things with Great Tech is on YouTube. And if you haven't subscribed yet, click on the link button down in the bottom right. Great Things with Great Tech is also on all the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, Brad, we're on everything now. So it's really cool. Um, so if you're not listening on YouTube, go and listen on the podcast. Um, the new website has launched as well. So pretty excited about that. It's got some cool colors, um, cool scheme. So gtwgt.com. And on that site, it'll keep you up to date with all previous episodes, plus all the show notes and all the cool things about these companies that we're talking about. All right, with that over, Brad, let's get into it and talk about offsite data sync. So just before we kick off, maybe just give a little bit of an overview in terms of you know who offsite data sync are and what you guys do. Yeah, awesome. So we are a, um, uh, as a service company, predominantly backup as a service. We also do disaster recovery as a service, infrastructure as a service, but really we found that we wanted to kind of pinpoint our niche on being backup and DRAS. So we do kind of dabble in some of the other areas, but uh, we found that, you know, by pinpointing and concentrating in that area that we're able to really provide a good value to our customers and offer a service that, you know, we think is uh, you know, uncomparable and out there. Yeah, and that's interesting, right? Because I mean, a lot of backup companies and DR companies kind of evolved from being a services company or an infrastructure as, 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 a, as a, a service company as well. Um, and you guys certainly had that at the start, but I think there was a certain p very hard pivot um, years ago now, really. And you were really one of the first to be a pure backup as a service and DR as a service play, right? I mean, that's kind of been your focus for a number of years now. Yeah, no, for I think almost 13 years now, we kind of said, let's concentrate on the backup space. We think there's a solid play here because back then, you know, offsite backups really were nothing more than taking tapes and putting them in somewhere or then bringing yeah. them offsite and everything. Um, and our founder, Matt Chesterton said, well, there's really got to be a better way. You know, tapes yeah. are fine for large organizations and there's a lot of other folks who are still going to argue, you know, tapes are still irrelevant. And I don't disagree with that at all, but yeah. back then when it was your only option to use tapes or, you know, maybe just taking the old USB drive, plugging it in, bringing it offsite kind of thing. Yeah. Um, really there was a need for someone to do something different and to find a better way. And I think that's kind of really where it all came from. Yeah. And I think, you know, the technology really wasn't there until that time frame, right? I mean, discs were still small and expensive, um, slow as well. So and, you <laughs> yeah. know, even sands to a certain extent, they were extremely monolithic back then. And when you think about it and cost of a house as well to buy sand, right? So oh, sure. in yeah. terms of, you know, where it lived, the thing about the offset to that is data wasn't huge. Like obviously, the data that was being generated back in those, those days is nothing compared to what we see today. But I think that's a perpetual, it's a flywheel thing, right? Where, you know, the more data that's being created, the more storage you need, um, the better technology you need to store that. Um, in 2007, I think that was kind of a tipping point. But let's go back a little bit, right? So in terms sure. of history and facts, like, say, so Matt Chesterton, you mentioned that he founded the company in 2000. So uh, just after the the, the, the dot-com bust, <laughs> um, you know, and all that kind of stuff so as you do or just around it 
But, you know, I think um, Matt was still at university, um, you know, effectively running what was a break fix um, shop for workstations and servers out of his parents' basement. That's cool. Um, and then, you know, and then from there, uh, a couple of years later, he hired his first employee. So did you, I mean, you've, we'll get to where you joined um, ODS, but what was it like from your point of view? What did Matt tell you about those early couple of years? He said they were rough, uh, you know, especially the first few ones. Um, he always used to tell me, you know, I, I would have conversations with him a lot about, you know, where it came from and look at everything he's managed to build and all this other wonderful things. And he'd say, you know, those first few years, they were tough because he's trying to manage a break fix kind of institution on top of going to school and on top of just basically being in his parents' basement. Yeah. Uh, very stressful times. And, you know, it, it was tough, I think, back in those early days. Um, but, you know, he kind of persevered through it. And, you know, as you go on, things get a little bit easier and easier as you learn things the hard way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny because I actually, you know, out of university, with at university, I, you know, ran a little dodgy IT shop as well, you know, trying to do, you know, servers and, and workstations for the guys at university. And yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough gig, um, you know, doing oh, yeah. that sort of stuff. And <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I didn't grow that into anything significant. Um, I kind of gave it up. But in fact, funny story, I gave it up. If you're talking about data and, you know, hard drives and whatnot, I sold a computer to a, one of the guys at university who was the gun programmer back then. Like, he was a guy that was going to go places, right? He bought a computer off me. I made some good bucks off it as well, which was always a good thing. Um, and then effectively, uh, what happened was the hard drive died. It was, effective, it was a defective hard drive. Um, yep. but he basically, I don't know what you could call it, but he shamed me in front of the whole university sort of faculty <laughs> saying, you, you sold me a dodgy piece of hardware. And I'm like, you know, how am I supposed to know that a hard drive, you know, died? But to my point where I'm getting at, there was no backup back then, right? Like he didn't even oh, think no. to take a backup. So on that disc was his whole, you know, university life. So on the one hand, yeah, maybe my fault that I sold him a, a dodgy bit of disc, but on the other hand, why wasn't he backing that up? So I don't know what made me think about that, but <laughs> that's what kind of got me out of that gig. Um, but to that point in 2003, um, you know, Matt really started focusing on, on managed backups. So maybe he had a similar incident. Um, now, Matt, this is in New York City, by the way. So Matt, Matt's in, in New York? Or? Uh, no, Rochester, New York. Rochester, okay, yeah. I've got to get my geography right there. Um, yeah, so most people, when they hear New York, they just think of New York City anyway. So, uh, okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but basically, he started that and he started to work in law firms and started to do managed backup and break fix for, for those law firms. Um, and then the company remained effectively break fix until 2005, six. And then he decided to go all in on backup in 2007. So just explain to me the mentality. Like, how do you go from, you know, going from break fix, which is obviously generating some level of income, to going, no, we're going to hard pivot here and just do backups. Yeah, I think Matt might have been one of the, uh, I'm not going to say the first, but especially in the kind of industry that he was in, he kind of had this, you know, light bulb go off that said, you know what? there's something about this as a service play right now. There's something about this monthly recurring revenue and basically just providing a service for someone. Cause probably in those first original few years doing the break fix and everything else, getting called at all hours of the night, you know, come fix my computer, come fix my printer, whatever it was, uh, you know, that he was doing back then. I think he kind of said, you know what? I 
there might be a better way. I could yeah. just kind of provide a service, partner with some either regular customers or some providers in the area and just offer that backup piece. And I'm yeah. going to concentrate on that and specifically say, hey, I'm doing your backups. That's it. So the backup piece, something goes wrong. I'll go in and fix it. Anything else, we have these other partners and anything else that you can go to. So I think he kind of said, you know what, let me just try and specialize a little bit and yeah. saw something with this as a service, monthly recurring revenue, which back then it was just starting to happen sort of, you know? Yeah. And look, the technology probably wasn't there to be honest as well in 2007. If I think back to what I was trying to do in 2007, it certainly wasn't backup as a service. I mean, we had backups, but it was predominantly, like you said, tapes still back then hadn't quite clicked over to say disc-based backup, right? Um, and certainly the technology that was out, you know, the, the amount of dedupes, the data reduction that was there kind of was very embryonic and let's be honest, quite, uh, quite bad in terms of what it was doing, right? <laughs> but also connectivity still wasn't great. Um, I, I, but I, don't, you know, I know how connectivity was in Australia, Back then, um, I think we were just getting out of, um, you know, 14.4 port modems or something. Now we're on ADSL back then, but um, how was the, what, how did the, the, the connectivity dictate what was being done early days at ODS? Because in terms of remote backup, it must have been tough. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, as you mentioned, the technology just really wasn't there yet. So... Uh, Matt utilized a product called FastSCP, uh, which basically uh, facilitated the easy transfer of data from one location to the other. But there was nothing to say transfer this over the WAN or anything. And yeah. as you mentioned, you know, speeds really weren't that good. You know, working back then, I'd say most customers were well below 50 megabit per second, probably yeah. in the 20 range, somewhere like that upload, especially. Um, and oh, really? on top of still that, be, still, that's oh, still yeah. better than Australia's one meg up that we had for <laughs> almost forever. Tried getting a full backup up at one meg. <laughs> Man, I, I grew up in the woods and uh, there's still 56, uh, 56 K modems out there. Yeah, he just there stopped that last year and he still has that old dial up thing and it's still moving slowly, still but surely, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so on top of just the slow speeds, uh, there was no way to facilitate that WAN transfer outside of just a site-to-site VPN connection. And as you know, with that, you know, there's a lot of management overhead and also a lot of the, you know, decryption overhead from actually encrypting those packets, decrypting them at the other side and everything yeah. like that as it passes through the tunnel. So you're talking about, you know, at most maybe three quarters of what kind of speed you were getting. So, um, you know, it'll be the first to admit that it was rough back then. The backups yeah. took a while. You know, data wasn't really as big, even close to as big as it was now. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. there's, yeah, there, there's some kind of comparisons to be made there, but it still took forever. So yeah. it was, it was tricky and it was a, a rough few years with that. But at the end of the day, you know, he was pretty much the only one, especially in the local region that he worked in that was doing something like that. And, and yeah. customers really uh, said, this is going to be pretty cool, especially the managed service providers and the partners that he worked with who were looking for an all-in-one solution, just move all their customers to. Right. Okay. In terms of the technology, so, you, I mean, you mentioned fast SCP, which is, which is a Veeam technology and, you know, fun fact around that, that was Veeam's first product, a, a free product. And, you know, that was interesting in itself because that kind of product, you know, effectively, you know, techno technology wise bootstrapped Veeam, in the IT enthusiast market, which was quite cool um, in the day. And, you know, it was aimed at, you know, transfer, fast SCP as SCP um, file transfer. It's effectively built initially to get uh, files to and from ESX servers. 
not ESXi servers, ESX servers back in the day, right? Um, <laughs> with a full-blown Linux back then. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's interesting. So, but Matt actually took that and used it for his own purposes, which, you know, I think is an amazing example of leveraging a technology that was out there, that was free, and then was leveraged for effectively solidifying the rock that was going to be ODS in the future. Correct, yeah. Um, so then, you know, 2009, 2011, this is where you come into the picture, right? Like you've been at this company for now effectively, you know, 10 years on and off, um, but you started uh, part-time when you were out of uni or college. I, I think Americans call it college. I call it uni, same, same. Um, <laughs> so just explain to us how you got involved and what your skill set was when you first uh, went into ODS and what you were doing for Matt. Yeah, so when I was in university or college, as we call it, <laughs> uh, we had to do what's called a co-op program. So normally when people go to college, they have their summers off and everything. It wasn't like that for us. I went to an engineering school with studying computer networking and systems administration mostly. And as part of the degree, you needed to uh, complete X amount of semesters of kind of work programs, right? We called yeah. it a co-op. So yeah. during that time, I needed to work at some place in my industry. It needed to be approved by the college, verify that it was in the industry, need to have like a nice little write-up at the end of it, what you learned, all that other fun stuff. And I did that with a managed service provider in the Rochester region. I went to Rochester Institute of Technology uh, and they just happened to be partnered with Matt. So they used uh, Matt's backups for a number of things. In fact, okay. when I remember, I'll, I very much remember one of my first days there, everyone's talking about this Matt guy and his backups, Matt's backups. So they didn't call it ODS. They <laughs> the all just called guy. it Matt's backups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I remember I hadn't been working there too long, maybe just two months, still very young. I was 18, 19 maybe. And Matt came to the, uh, this MSP that I worked for. Uh, we were a big partner of his and said, hey, do you have a Linux guy? And they said, no, we're mostly a well, window that's shop. That's and, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my boss came to me and said, hey, you mentioned you know a lot about Linux, right? And I said, yeah, I've been messing with Linux since I was, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, you know. It's like, all right, go see if you can help this guy out. You know, we're, he's a big partner of ours. He's having some issues. And I'll always remember this. The first time I went over there, he was trying to mount an NTFS file system onto one of his Linux boxes, and it wouldn't mount at all. Yeah. And I looked, and he had installed the correct packages and everything, and everything looked right. And after just a little bit of research, uh, it just happened the one kernel version of Linux that he was using, there was some disagreement with Microsoft legally or what have you. So the NTFS capabilities were actually removed from the kernel in this one uh, okay. specific kernel version. Yeah. So I found that, figured that out, you know, upgraded the kernel and suddenly things worked again. And Matt was basically like, you're my guy. So, you know, called me for anything that he needed with, you know, higher level Linux help because that's really all he ran back then. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so you, you ended up doing some little jobs there. You, you moved to New York City. When did you move to New York yourself? Uh, it was 2012 I moved to New York City. 2012. Okay. So in 2014, and this is when it gets interesting, I think, because this is you know, when I think ODS started to leverage some great technology um, itself. Yeah. So in 2014, you were contacted by Matt. Um, so you basically were involved in the first release of uh, Cloud Connect for ODS, right? Let's, let's talk about that because I think Cloud Connect's an interesting technology. So maybe just for the people out there, explain a little bit about what Cloud Connect does and what it did back then and what the premise was back then and why it was so um, groundbreaking because... I think you've mentioned some of the pain points that it fixed earlier, but you know, what was Cloud Connect all about? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, really the biggest innovation of it was taking a copy of your data and pushing it off site, right? That's very simple, but in an easy way that doesn't require a lot of infrastructure and a lot of management, right? So as I mentioned before, with fast SCP, you needed to go through a whole ton of headaches just to get that file copy going, whether that's being establishing site-to-site -site VPN tunnels, getting it on the custom, getting custom software on the uh, customer's end, passing it over to a repository on our end, ensuring all of those multi-tenancy kind of things, making sure that the customer can VPN in and doesn't have access to anyone else's data. Basically, building a as a service from the ground up is, is what Matt had to do in order to ensure a good product, right? Yeah. With Cloud Connect, it's basically just Veeam, which at the time was a very small company. Uh, I, I remember at the time I worked for another MSP and everyone was talking about this Veeam thing and yeah. we were really hesitant to pick it up because it was so new and everyone's like, yeah, but it just works so great. You know, this was probably in the version five days, I think back then, or maybe six, I don't recall, but, um, but taking this technology that was still sort of new, but worked really well as a backup and just saying, okay, go to your provider. You don't have to do a, a VPN connection. It's just an SSL connection over the internet. There's multi-tenancy built in. So as a provider, we effectively just spin it up, create credentials for a user. And there's multi-tenancy and all the protections that come in with that basically yeah. built into the program. So we don't need to worry about maintaining all of that and any kind of security compliance risks or anything. It's built into the application. And then having it basically say where you can back up and have completely different retention ratios, whether it's local or offsite. So if you want local only to have 14 days, 30 days of retention to be able to restore, to restore from, and then you want archival X number of years going back uh, up in the cloud, that was completely supported and something yeah. that was very difficult to do really before then. So it took effectively from 2007, it's effectively seven years later where there was a bit of technology that enabled to Matt to basically realize the vision that he had in 2007. Now the technology is caught up, you know? Um, so that's quite interesting. And I think you guys are one of the first uh, Veeam cloud service providers as well on the program from memory. So yeah, you guys were, you know, launch partners and also one of the first VCSPs, which is pretty cool. Yep, absolutely. Um, so then you joined in 2015. So that's when you actually became a full-time employee there. So how many people did ODS have in 2015? Uh, there was about, I think, 10 people oh, or so okay, back right. then. So has it, okay, so, so Matt kept it really small. So from you know, 2000, 2000, 2002 through 2007, and then 2015, 10 people. So that's, that, okay, so it's, it's, it's a small company. It's focusing on backups. So how do you, how do you scale? Like what, what's, what's, what are the challenges there in being able to have a company that's you know, light with people, but obviously servicing quite a different number of end users. Um, obviously, I'm guessing you guys were working through a channel or working through resellers, which is a great technique in terms of how companies grow. But in terms of technically, how do you support X amount of customers with only 10 people? Yeah, it was a challenge. And, you know, especially when you're a startup company, which back then we weren't even really a startup. We had been operating for almost 15 years at that point, yeah. you know, so it, it, but it had still a startup mentality because a lot of it was mostly just Matt. And I think one of the things when you have someone like him with kind of the vision and how the company should go, it's really hard to find good people that you can just say, okay, go do this, you know? And I think in the beginning, he found some great people and everything. And as it went on, he managed to just 
higher right. So everyone that he brought on board, I mean, some of the people I've worked with at ODS through the years have just been, uh, I would <laughs> easily give up uh, many things to work with those folks again, because it's nice. just been yeah. uh, such a wonderful experience. But, you know, there's some uh, risk with that, right? So when I first came on board, Matt actually called me and kind of a feet of panic saying, Brad, Brad. And I'm like, Hey, how's it going, Matt? I haven't spoken to you in a few years. It was 9 PM, I think on a Tuesday. Right. Yeah. And I uh, said, I have a big customer down issue. Everything's down. I, I don't know where my only engineer is at the moment. Uh, I, I really need someone to help me. I, I can't figure it out. And I said, yeah, of course, man, I'll come in, popped in. And I think I was able to get him, you know, fixed up in about an hour or something. Yeah. And, uh, after that, he said, okay, well, start consulting with us. Yeah. And, um, I believe the biggest challenge is, as far as scaling, is ensuring that uh, you can take that small mindset of people that you trust yeah. and being able to increase that and still having you know the same level of service that you are providing your customers. Yeah. There's also so, knowledge transfer, right? Like if, you, um, if you're a small team and say something happens to you, like, I mean, we always used to say back in a couple of the places that I worked, what if... Um, what if John got hit by a bus? Like what would happen? Yeah, What's in yeah. his head? What, what can't we pull out of his head? And the reality back, I mean, I think it's better now, but I'm sure it still exists. But back then, like if, if we, and John's totally fictitious by the way, but if we lost John, <laughs> um, you know, if he fell off his motorbike, then company was pretty stuffed. So it's, it's really interesting in, in tech when there's so much um, sort of IP and process and the way that things are built in people's head, um, it's a real risk for companies that are small, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what the nature of a startup though is a startup is smaller company, less people. You have a few guys who have the vision. You're effectively not necessarily investing in the company at that point, but the people. Yeah. And if something happens to those people, then it's, it, you know, <laughs> it's going to be problematic. And yeah. that's definitely the hardest part about scaling is taking that, what those, those ideas that those people have, the vision for the company and being able to expand it out and make it, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people yeah. and still having that level of service, that level of dedication and that kind of overall vision of what you want to do with the organization and what problems you're trying to solve for your customers. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so just going back to like Veeam Cloud Connect and everything else. So what other sort of um, offerings did you have at that time? Like what, and, and maybe go a little bit into how, you know, you've architected that as well in terms of, you know, what's, what's your backend storage, what, what's, what servers are you running, uh, you know, the hypervisors, that sort of thing. I'm really interested to see, you know, exactly, you know, the whole breadth of your technology stack. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Veeam was kind of our big partnership deal because we were one of the original VCSPs. Uh, so we really, after that point, when they said, hey, we want to bring you guys on as one of the first ones, we said, okay, these are these are our guys. We're going to concentrate a lot of our effort on that. We also did some infrastructure as a service, things like that. Matt had a large presence in a data center up in Rochester, New York. Yep. And, uh, you know, we were able to utilize that presence to offer some infrastructure service to various companies that were also partnered with him, things of that nature. Uh, but really, he predominantly wanted to stick to the backup, especially when the whole, you know, Veeam Cloud Connect uh, partnership came along because we saw that and we said, okay, this is going to be huge. This is yeah. exactly what people need. It, you know, solves so many problems. Um, the one thing that we've noticed, and it's been a learning game because we were one of the first ones is, you know, especially some of the older backup products, the storage that you need, it's meager, you know, 5,400 RPM disks. It's all just sitting there for the most time. 
but because of the way that Veeam works, especially with Cloud Connect, with the requirement of forever forward incremental and constant rollups and merges and everything, uh, we quickly discovered that, you know, standard storage just wasn't going to work. It, yeah. Especially when so many people are merging at the same time, it causes ridiculous IO and the spindles effectively couldn't keep up. You know, even if we threw 10 gig networking out and everything else, it was just really the spindles and the disc couldn't write fast enough to handle the IO that we were pushing at it. Yeah. Uh, so we mucked around with some different ideas. We used to use a uh, product called Ceph uh, yeah. back then, which was a wonderful piece Quite of open source technology. Use that, right? yeah. Oh yeah, no. And, and we had a, a good time with it until we didn't. And that's just yes. because we impl implemented it very early. We were trying to support it with our, you know, low staff team and everything. Yeah. And yeah. we encountered critical a bunch pain. of issues. Yeah, critical points with Ceph. And Ceph is open source effectively, isn't it, as well? It is correct, yeah. Yeah. So it, it was a, a bit of a challenge. It worked well for our use case, but you know, with our small team, uh, we kind of said, you know what, this is something that we can throw money at the problem rather than using Ceph, which is saving us a bunch of money and using our own hardware and everything else, which was wonderful, by the way. Yeah. Um, we kind of said, you know, we just don't really have the team to manage this and we want to concentrate on delivering the service, not fixing the service. Mm -hmm. So at that point, we went and we moved over to uh, some Dell MD storage, which yeah. were, you know, these big know them very well. Disc. Big fan. Oh, big yeah. Fan <laughs> <of Dell MD. laughs> oh, man. They're, cheap uh, and deep. Cheap and deep. Cheap and deep. That's right. And, you know, they worked well for quite a while for us. But once you start loading those things up, uh, you really start to understand how they're cheap and deep because for a while they work really well. And then once you get to, you know, 70% utilization on those, you really start to see some IO hits as you're yeah. getting all those customers, you know, moving in. Yeah. Um, but they worked fine for us for a number of years and they kind of solved that problem of, you know, minimizing the engineering overhead of managing Ceph and everything else. Um, so that worked out quite well. But after a while, when we started hitting those IO issues and everything, uh, started seeing long, long merge times for customers, we said, okay, we got to figure something else out. There's, there's got to be a better way. And that's when we started looking around and we found Nimble Storage. And mm -hmm. Nimble Storage is, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's basically just a, a hybrid array, or at least it was at the time. They, they now do all flash arrays. Do but, all flash, yeah. Yeah, but um, effectively, it's just a hybrid of... Uh, flash acting as a cache and then, you know, spinning disk on the back end. And we found with that cache, uh, especially with Veeam, we're able to, you know, spend still not as much as having just all flash or anything like that, but just having that little bit of cached here in there really handles a bulk amount of the IO. Yeah. Now, as you fill them up, they still get a little bit slower and everything as you would yeah. completely expect, but it was nowhere near as much as some of those old Dell units would crawl. And even when those things are up to, you know, our maximum, which is 85% capacity total, um, they're still rocking and rolling and moving data right along. So that was really what we solidified on. Um, we're actually looking at a few other things right now just to try and keep up with uh, the industry as far as low cost data storage and everything. Yeah. Um, they're a little bit more expensive than, you know, some of the other stuff. So we're, we're investigating a few other things and our R and D department is having a little bit of fun mucking around okay. with some new technologies. But, That's always fun. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah let's, th let's talk about some specific technologies that you actually had. So in 2016, you developed DR from backups. Um, so disaster recovery is obviously significant. Now, with DR, you've got replication, so you can replicate in from an on-premises location into a cloud. Um, but I think what you guys did was something a bit quirky, but innovative as well. So what was that all about in 2016 when you, when you did DR from backups? 
Yeah, so we actually developed this, and I, I think it was 2016 where VM released version 9, I want to say. or Roughly, yeah. Uh, yeah. Roughly, yeah, but we actually yeah. developed this right before Veeam released the ability to do replication. So before this, with backup, there was literally no way to do DR from it. So Matt had a few customers before I came online who said, hey, we want to you know, spin up our backups in your environment because he also offered IaaS and things like that. Yeah. And when I joined, there was a very, very basic little you know, two-page document of here's how you restore VMs into a DR environment. And I said, okay, cool. And we were sitting around one day and talking and a customer had asked us to do something like this again. And I had no idea how to do it. It was a Hyper-V customer. I did it in some really, you know, way I just <laughs> pulled out of somewhere uh, where effectively I just uh, forwarded RDP ports uh, into the host and you just log in and you can spin up your VMs. And I said, you know, there's, there's got to be a better way to do this. So I'm talking with our lead developer at the time and saying, how can we, what, what can we do to productize this? And we were a big VMware partner, still are, yeah. and we used something called vCloud Director and we kind of said, okay, well, Let's, let's put this over into vCloud Director. Let's, let's, let's see what we can do with that. So it's effectively taking our customers' backups, uh, importing them into a local Veeam console on our side. Now, the one tricky part about this is all the time they're encrypted, so you got to connect with the customer, have them decrypt it. Yeah. Problem, we'll talk about that a little bit later, how we solve that. But it's a little, you know, I have to share my screen out, enter your password. Not the thing that you want to do as a provider, but it was really the only way to do it at the time. And then you take those, you restore it into the environment, and you actually build their environment inside of vCloud Director, which is an infrastructure as a service platform, uh, build out all their networking. You get a NSX edge on the edge of it, can configure site-to-site -site VPN, client-to-site VPN, NAT rules, all that other fun stuff to be able to allow customers to access their data. And it's not as quick as a typical DR, like replication, but for a lot of customers, we found it doesn't need to be quick. It just yeah. needs to exist. It needs to be there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the epitome though of doing great things with great tech because you're solving a problem that kind of needs to be solved, but you're using different parts of technology that for what it wasn't actually built for initially. So the, the backup software, the infrastructure software, the cloud management software, and you're piecing it together to offer a service, right? Um, it's kind of like a DR light situation. And you, do, you guys have moved forward from that a little bit in this year. But before we get to that point, let's just finish off the history a little bit. Because I think there was sure. a bit of expansion in 2017. Um, you guys yeah. went into oh, yeah. APAC and EU. So you've got regions in Singapore and Amsterdam. In 2018, you started to delve into, you know, backing up Office 365. So you, your product sets has, has gone out. In terms of replication, you guys also use, what's, what's the other product that you guys actually do use? So you've got a couple because I think it's great that companies offer their customers the ability to choose, right? Freedom of choice. So is it just Veeam or what else do you guys use? No, so we're big, uh, you know, Veeam partners and everything, but we have encountered a number of customers who say, you know, Veeam snapshot-based technology. And with that, you get a, a bit of overhead and, and we need our replication data to have a, a lower RPO recovery. Low RPO, objective. yeah, restore point. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these are a lot of companies in the finance world, things like that, where, you know, if you lose any of that data in order to rebuild it, it's, it's going to be such a pain and you yeah. might as well just throw it out at that point. So uh, we're actually partnered with a, a, a company called Zerto as well. And, you know, for our customers who need that low RPO solution, uh, Zerto has just uh, offered that where Veeam has kind of fallen in the past. Um, they've announced what Veeam calls continuous data protection, 
what was that, maybe 2017 or something? It was a while ago, yeah. We, we yeah, it was a while it ago. And, <laughs> we and, and we're finally seeing it now, but, you know, when our customers say, hey, we need a, a better solution, we need a solution that offers us low RPO, but yeah. also offers the same, uh, you know, uh, kind of features as Veeam, which replicating into vCloud Director, all that other fun yeah. stuff, it's it's an easy uh, easy win for us. So, so we also resell Zerto uh, for those customers who need that kind of functionality. And there's a lot of other cool little features that it does as well, like having different failover and... Uh, um, you know, uh, test networks and things of that nature. Yeah. There's a lot of, it, it's kind of a product that's designed around replication, yeah. whereas Cloud Connect started off as backup, added replication. Zerto just started off as straight replication. So yeah. especially from the get-go, it was a little bit more featureful, a little bit more bu built out. And for a lot of our customers, it was really the right solution to go with. Yeah, awesome. There you go. Um, so yeah, and then, you know, all this is leading up to last year when, you know, and the reason why I'm actually not talking to Matt there's a reason for that, isn't there? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you guys uh, got acquired last year by J2 Global um, and Matt exited the company. Um, so, you know, build it up was nearly there for 20 years, but effectively you guys are, were sold off to J2 Global who are quite huge um, in terms of, you know, publicly listed company. They have a whole suite of, of, of companies that they, that they own. Um, how has that changed what you guys do? How's it changed ODS? What, what does it enhance for you guys? I know you guys released another uh, recent uh, product called Auto Recover, which actually won an innovation award recently. But just talk very quickly through that because time is starting to get a little short, but let's hear about it. Yeah, this. yeah, no worries. Uh, so I'm not going to lie to you. I remember I was up in Rochester when Matt said, hey, everyone, cancel the rest of your meetings. We're all going to go out to a happy hour. It was a Tuesday or something. Okay. And I was like, wait, I have to connect to this big customer. He's like, push it off, push it off. You have to be there. So. Okay. Don't know what that's about. And it happened to actually be the five, my five year anniversary of the company is when the sale went through, but he went over and he said, guys, I'm selling. And as soon as you hear that, you know, there was just crickets. Like, what do you mean you're selling? Oh no, yeah. the dream, man. Um, and we were all very worried. And the first day that J2 came into the office, uh, I think 99% of everyone's worries were alleviated. They said, you know, guys, we're buying you for a reason. Okay. We're not trying to muck anything up. You guys have been one of the leaders in the industry. You have some great technology. We don't want to change anything. We just want to help you. Yeah. And I, I was still a little bit wary. You know, you hear all these things all the time where the companies come in and you say, yeah. okay, you know, but man, they, uh, they really stuck to their uh, guns there. And, really started investing heavily in us. And when we initially created the uh, disaster recovery for backups product, we always wanted it to be automated. In fact, I've had the run book for the automation for it, for how it would actually be built for years now, you yeah. know, probably since 2016, 2017. Yeah. And when I'm talking with some of my new bosses at J2, I said, yeah, what are you guys trying to do? What's some new innovation? ODS has been predominantly successful because of the innovation, right? Yeah. We were one of the first ones to have a portal, DR from backups. If we weren't the first one to do that, we were one of the first. And anyway, and I said, well, we have this wonderful DR from backups technology, but it takes so much manual effort and time and everything to offer this. And we started offering it as it built into some of our packages, right? So if you sign up for, you know, our platinum service, you get one of these for free with backup. Yeah. So as you have so many customers coming to us saying, oh, a DR test, DR test, it's just really such a huge uplift. So I said, yeah, one of the things that we've been talking about doing for a while is automating this. And they said, that's a great idea. They gave us a team and uh, basically yeah. knocked it out. Yeah, we knocked it out in a few months and uh, the product just... Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. great. You know, and it's, it's everything because I'm not going to get into too many of the specifics. I know we're running a little short on time here, but it's a lot of different uh, kind of hooks to come into, whether it's connecting into the repository server, uh, yeah. mapping the backup repository, inputting the backups, taking in the customer's uh, encryption credentials, passing that through without storing it or anything like that, building out the vCloud director infrastructure from what all the customer- All based on APIs, right? So all API, potentially oh, yeah. API oh, yeah. driven, PowerShell driven, automation driven. And, and Correct, were those, yes. Were, were those J2 resources that developed that or was that ODS guys of, in terms of the core development of that? Like did you leverage uh, a little bit J2? Of yeah, a little bit of column A, column B. So we had a big development team. J2 had a number of, uh, you know, huge developers. Our problem was is that we had some great developers, but we didn't really have anyone who was dedicated to leading the team. Yeah, we right, kind of yeah. had the same guy who was leading our engineering team, also leading the developer team. Right, and with yeah. J2, we were to kind of take that out and really make it a, you know, a fully functional team outside of everything else. We were able to get a lot of more development resources and everything as far as stealing a few guys from some other teams. And yeah. also, you know, investing in development environments and things like that, that are kind of one-to-one -one with what we initially have and having the DevOps available to manage all that. So it yeah. allowed our dev team to kind of stop going and, you know, fixing their dev environment to just really concentrating on building the product, right? Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, we've talked about, we've gone through the history, we've gone through core innovation and services that you guys did. We started from the pivot to backup. We've talked about how you guys disrupted the market initially, which is just by you know purely offering a really great backup service based on great technology. I think you just mentioned really how you continue to internally disrupt the product uh, yourselves as well, because I guess moving forward now, how much more internal disruption do you guys need to grow ODS and to continue the success? What's, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so as we were talking about before with how hard it is to scale out a company, it's a growing pain that we're dealing with right now because when you're a small startup, it's just go, 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 go as fast as you can. Go get this new product out, get this environment spun up, make sure it's right, all good. But you really don't get a lot of room for documentation, for processes to be developed, or for automation to be developed that can kind of help you with a lot of these things just because yeah. you're concentrating on just doing one thing after the other. So what we've really been focusing on right now is taking it from that startup kind of mindset and moving it more towards a process-driven organization. So, you know, rather than concentrate on spinning this up, spinning that up as quickly as we can, we said, okay, let's take a step back. We have a group of folks spinning something up, one guy specifically dedicating to documenting how that goes. Yeah. And the end goal is to build that more into automation of our, you know, entire infrastructure and organization. So we're working on a number of different technologies as far as storage goes and everything. And yeah. that's pretty much where we're coming at it from is first and foremost, how do we automate this how do we do it so we just press a button and we don't need to spend X amount of engineering time to be able to actually do the same things that we do over and over and over again yeah. so that's been the trickiest part is finding the time and changing the kind of company culture to be able to move towards those kind of goals and to work towards that kind of organization but yeah. we're definitely getting there and we've made a ton of strides over the past you know little over a year since we've been bought by J2 and it's yeah. really the additional resources that we've gotten from them have kind of allowed us to basically start the transition. That's awesome. So just finally, final question. So, you know, and I ask this to everyone that comes on the show. Um, so what makes a great technology partner for you? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that question. I think really what makes the best kind of technology partner is having technology that works. 
and allowing us to sell it, right? So some of the big guys like Veeam, they say, yeah, we're, we're channel only. We're not going to interfere with that. They give us resources, you know, give us, you know, uh, ability to help market, do webinars with us, things like that. Basically, be a partner with us and not be a competitor because there's a lot of folks in this industry that, you know, they say, oh, yeah, sign up with us and, and we'll, you know, uh, re help you resell our services. But at the same time, they're also selling their services. So it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, how much incentive do you really have? A great partner is incentivized to give their partners, um, you know, kind of the uh, understand that they're willing to work with them as much as we're willing to work with them and being able to kind of create that value off of let us do our thing, which is be a provider and you do your thing, which is develop great software and tools for us to resell. Awesome. Well, I think Offsite Data Sync is a great example of that. It was great to have you on the show. Um, so let's just wrap up here. You can find me, anthonyspateri.net and GTWGT podcast. And also gtwgt.com. That rolls off really well, doesn't it, Brad? gtwgt.com. <laughs> um, and just a reminder, if you aren't subscribed or you're new to the show and you'd like to hear more and see all the previous episodes, you can go into the podcast channel. Again, you can go on YouTube. You can go to the website. And until then, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Offsite Data Sync. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Anthony. No worries, man. All right.